Ah, oh, shit. Here we go again. Welcome back to the Beers and Miles podcast, the podcast where we talk about beers, miles, and wherever else we manage to off topic with. We are back for episode two of The Elite Files with Tyler. Tyler, welcome back. We're happy to have you back. Had a great first episode with you, getting to know you and getting to know how you got back into running. It's been a fantastic story, but the story's not over. And so we're coming out here for part two. How are you doing, buddy? I am fired up to be back and uh, talking to you guys. I had so much fun in episode number one. Everyone should go listen to that one as well as every single other episode of this podcast that they've done in the past. Um, But yeah, I'm fired up to do this. Awesome, awesome. And of course, we can't have Beers Miles podcast. Podcast, we don't talk about beers, miles, and whatever else we can actually talk about. Talk! Yeah! (laughs) I can can only do it once. Uh, Yeah. It wouldn't be that without Larry. How are you doing, Larry? I'm, uh... It's kind of a weird week. I mean, I think it's the the holiday at the beginning of the week, and, and it's already Thursday, and I feel like just the week has flown by, and I haven't gotten anything done for work, and um, tomorrow's Friday. So, you know what? A bit panicked. A bit panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I feel on that. And as always, we're going to open up a beer for this episode. Uh, we have um, Wooly Pig Killer Pills. It's a Pilsner out of a brewery. In Ohio, it's a very smaller brewery. Uh, they focus on just pilsners and um, lagers and such. Which you don't see too many breweries that do that. So I'm very happy with these guys. They're a great brewery, and they're out of Fresno, Ohio, middle of nowhere. I think it's like two hours away from Columbus, something like that. I don't know my geography or geometry or uh, even what the rock one is. Uh, to geology, one of those three. I don't know any of it. So, uh, yeah. So this is what we're drinking tonight. Uh, I just got done with my run. How about you guys? You guys running tonight? Yeah, I... I uh, oh, well, sorry, Tyler. Um, no, go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I ran a six earlier, and... Um, oh, boy. Yeah, we went to a happy hour around 4 p.m. for my, my job, and uh, the beer definitely didn't help with the run, but I got it done, so uh, it is what it is. How about you, Tyler? I re- I just got back from the gym before I jumped on this uh, podcast, but I did run earlier today. Yes, because it is Thursday. Um, I'm on a schedule right now of Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Today I went 30 minutes. Um, yeah, I'm running again on Saturday. That'll be 35 minutes and then s- slowly building back up. Awesome. Awesome. And I just got four miles in tonight. I have a virtual Boston this weekend, and I'm going to enjoy hopefully finishing. So (laughs) it's weird to see on the other side of things. Are you going to drop a casual, like, 245? Uh, I think a casual three hours will be fine for me right now. A sub three will be. I don't don't think I ever want to run something over three hours, so we'll see. But I also might break (laughs) myself trying to do it. I'm definitely not in shape. You were mentioning, uh, you said Fresno, Ohio for that beer, right? Yeah. Just hearing that made me uh, think of something I saw on Twitter retweeted by the Boston Marathon the other day. There's a guy doing the the virtual Boston Marathon this weekend that scheduled a route. I forget. He's in the Midwest somewhere. I forget exactly where. But he's doing this route that the course profile looks exactly like the Boston Marathon with the downhill first half. Huh. The, mid, the the flat middle, 
a heartbreak hill that he planned specifically for it. And of all places, it ends in Boston. I think it might be like Boston, Iowa, Boston, <laughs> what? some other place. Wherever, wherever Boston is in the Midwest, he's going to end it there. And it's like a perfect 26.2 miles to get to the city center. That's so insane. So as soon as he spent like Fresno, uh, Fresno, Ohio, I was like, you know what? That kind of perfect segue. That's incredible. And uh, uh, shit, I'm going to have to look into that a little bit because now I'd be interested to see how this person does. Yeah, and uh, I've seen a couple friends have already done theirs. Marissa Laura just did hers. She actually went to Boston and like woke up super, super early and started just actually around the course. Uh, she did get lost a little bit, uh, but did finish. So I think wow. she ran like 320. She's a 250 marathon girl. So uh, she did get lost a little bit, but like seeing people like, it's been kind of exciting to see everybody doing their like own version of it. And since it's not that much pressure on it, it's like people just wanting to finish, and it's just kind of cool. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we're going to get back to the story. So where we left off was we came off of a pretty pretty successful half marathon. So we're coming off of that, and uh, we're heading into 2020 now. So let's talk about what were our, what were our plans, what, were we, what, were we, what did we want to do coming into 2020? I mean... For 2020, my goal had been to uh, run both Boston and then go to the Chicago Marathon and try to cut significant time off of uh, both of those races. Um, and I, I really wanted, I was training really, really hard for um, the, the Boston Marathon, you know, going up, driving an hour every other weekend one way to go get some hills because in New Orleans, our hills are basically bridges. And that's not enough for me to replicate that second half that destroyed me last year. So I was so dedicated that I wanted to drive an hour to the north, run in some major hills up there, and just kind of work myself. Um, <laughs> that actually led me to being injured um, in early January. I threw out my entire back going up there to do it, um, running all these hills. But then I kind of I got treatment. I uh, you know dry needling has saved me on numerous occasions, massage, and that kind of got me ready for that half um, where I ran that one oh nine thirty two. And for 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 my goal at Boston, I mean, I'm actually going to plug this into a my one oh nine thirty two into a, a equivalency calculator because it's pretty you know my one oh nine thirty two would give me a, basically a ah uh, oh, crap I'm not. Added it wrong. But anyway, so I wanted to go sub sub two thirty. That was my goal. That was always my goal. That was my goal last year because I was an idiot, as we discussed last time. Um, but my my idea was to go sub two thirty in Boston, maybe like a two twenty eight if if the cards completely aligned, because I was training my butt butt off for it, training at that pace. I think I knocked out a, a ten mile at marathon pace workout near the end of my training cycle before I got injured at about 5.33, and I felt smooth during that as hell. It just felt great. Um, and then I was hoping that when I got to Chicago, I would be in that American Development Program, and that's when I'd probably try to knock something close to 2.20 mid, and I'd go from there, and then I'd be springboarded into the next year where 2021, I was potentially looking to take down the course record at the Louisiana Marathon in uh, January of 2021. But uh, we all know how this year shaped up with a lot of things. Um, but those are my goals. And I, I know, Chris, uh, you had 
you know, similar aspirations, we actually were going to run the same races. Yeah. Funny enough, like after we figured out that we were both in the same, like, and let's run chat, we ended up being the same events. So for Boston, for Ryan, I wanted to get some redemption from last year and try to get top 100, maybe top 50 with it being a down year after the Olympic trials and then going, going all out for, for Chicago marathon with the American development program, which we both got in. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of the same, the same trajectory for this year. And I mean, it ends up being kind of parallel with the same thing, like how our year ended up as well. Um, and so as it kind of went on, like we got to the point where, um, everything was starting to get canceled. And we got to the point where Boston eventually got canceled. What happened with your training after, during that time period where you kind of saw the other majors starting to get postponed and we figured Boston was going to be next, like, how did your training set up in that month prior to that cancellation? I mean, I was going hard still thinking that Boston had an outside shot at going, but as soon as those other majors started dropping, um, I kind of shifted my focus. I was pretty much training myself, which wasn't the smartest idea because I put together a hodgepodge of uh, training plans that probably got me injured with the sacral stress fracture that I'm getting over. Uh, ran too many miles, didn't really... I did a bunch of workouts that I Frankenstein from other training plans I've done and even asked my coach who, who coached me before, hey, is this, does this look straight? Does this look like it, as it should? He says, yeah, this is good. I mean, I paid him for his help and I really should have paid him more to, to be the coach for those three months. Um, but as soon as Boston kind of got on the, kind of got put on the shelf, I, I shift, shifted my focus to, you know, Project 31XX where I wanted to Crack 32 for the first time in the 10K. Um, so I kind of shifted my focus back to the 10K at the end of my marathon training cycle. And, you know, that, that's real tough to do. Um, I was trying to throw speed in there at the end um, because I actually just plugged into the, the VDOT calculator and my 109 32 half is equivalent to you know, like a 31 29 10K. And if I could have gone like 31 45, I think I easily could have, if I trained correctly, maybe uh, 3145 would have been my wheelhouse. But um, yeah, so I, I switched that. I wanted to hit a hit a hard 10K, but things kind of unraveled from there. Yeah, we had talked about it a bunch during that time period because uh, I think I ended up running, I think, 3230 uh, right after a couple months after Boston and like not even being too in shape. So I was figured, do you run 69? 31 mid might be more of that wheelhouse and uh i get i don't know for i think for a lot of people i think did you find yourself having those kind of thoughts in your head where it was like trying to find out like find like find reasonings why this event would still go on it's like oh maybe they'll take the a group and the elites like maybe they'll just do that and maybe we'll still have a chance to go to boston um yeah, I mean, I, I did think about that. I thought about that also for the Chicago Marathon. But then I discussed things with a friend of mine who really put it in perspective uh, um, that she was like, how elitist would that be? You know, how would you feel to, to get that privilege just by being a faster runner? And it kind of leveled with me. Like, yeah. yeah, that would suck for everybody else. Like, how would it, it – I mean, it wouldn't – you see all these elites, like the London marathons going on that in that bubble with yeah. all the elites, like 
that sucks for everyone that's not able to run who got in this year in the lottery and are registered. But like, you can understand how they're going to go elites only. It's going to be yeah. a great race and it's, it's good for the sport. But if they brought in elites and just the A group, like if they did the elites at the Chicago Marathon and just the American development, like, I don't think I would go just because it would just feel so weird for for me to be as privileged as that to happen. Like, I don't think I, while I ran that time, I don't think I deserve that privilege. Yeah. Um, I, 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 so that's why I would say no to that. Yeah, I think after Tokyo, when they did the smaller group, I think it gave a lot of people like false confidence that this would happen. And 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 I agree with you on that. It's like we are sub, we're sub sub elite. We enjoy this stuff. Like we're not professional runners. Like, but it's always that thing where it's like kind of like that pipe dream. It's like maybe we'll pick us and we'll have some fun. With it. <laughs> right. But I mean, when you when you speak about it that way, it's it, it, it does like I do resonate with that. And honestly, like. The I can run 5K like and and do like a time trial for a 5K. I can do like I can run smaller races on a track, but for some reason like the the excitement of the marathon is the actual like event itself. I feels like yeah. I don't think I could go out and I don't think I could time trial a marathon as hard as I would run one in a race. Um, I mean, you could get me on the perfect course on the perfect day with everything, but I don't think the adrenaline adrenaline would be flowing the same way. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely like that, especially, I mean, we're in the Cap City Half um, virtual. It's like, uh, I mean, yes, you know, it's exciting to be able to go do it. It's exciting that you have the opportunity to go out, but definitely, like, the adrenaline's just not there. And I, it's just that what if of, like, if you were actually on a course with other people, like, how much faster could you run? How much better could you do? So, yeah, I, I definitely understand that. So at what point, well, also the kind of digging into that, like, um, cause I was in those, a lot of those, those, the same groups where you were asking questions about workouts. Um, are there some, um, that's piece out a couple of those workouts. Cause like, yes, we like, we'll go into the story following this, but like there were some pretty nasty workouts that you had during this time period. Um, uh, Speak about some of them that you were really excited about and some of them that you will probably take into your next training cycles. Because I'm sure there's like there's a lot of trial and error, it seemed like, with or like just a lot of trial uh, with you picking and uh, getting a hodgepodge <laughs> of stuff. Uh, is there any ones that were like super, because I saw like crazy ones and like that were just super fast. Did you have any of them that you figured you would use later on? Oh, I mean, uh, most of these workouts that I did were um, ones that I had already done, not like I kind of made up. So I knew which ones would fall kind of like in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually going back through my Strava right now on my phone, pardon the uh, delay in my discussions. I'm trying to figure out some workouts because I really actually want to answer this question thoroughly. Um, I think some of the, one of the, off the top of my head, one of my favorite ones to do would be the Michigan. Um, it, that wasn't really a workout that my my coach ever prescribed to us. It's something that I kind of did on my own. I just love to, to hit it because that is a true barometer of fitness. Um, do you guys know what the Michigan is? No, actually, I, yeah, if you could explain that, that'd be cool. 
Okay. Um, the Michigan is just a continuous, continuous workout um, where you'll you'll start with the, the actual Michigan um, was developed by a, a coach at Michigan uh, University of Michigan back in the day. Warhurst. Um, what is I forget. Ron Warhurst. Whitehurst. Whitehurst. Yeah, Ron um, Warhurst. But it was. I'm trying to look it up right now, so I don't get it off. Get it wrong. Um, so you get a fast mile on the track. It's basically going to make. Um, what we, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you guys can probably cut a lot of this out of the podcast. Um, it replicates the start of a cross country race. So Ron Warthurst actually developed this. So you're going to get a hard mile on the track um, at about 15 to 20 seconds slower than your best mile time. And then after that mile, you're going to go right into like a three-minute jog to do a slower tempo mile on the road. Well, a tempo mile on the road, whatever your tempo pace is. Then after that, you go back to the track with a three-minute jog and do a fast 1,200 uh, at about the same pace that you ran your first mile. Then you go back out to the road three minutes and then run a tempo mile, come back on the track three minutes, run an 800 at faster than you ran the 1,200, now go with me here. You go back out three minutes to run another tempo mile, and then you finish with a AUG 400 all you got, um, and you just let loose. And it, it, that's your simulate your, fit, your finishing kick. And that is a workout that we did back in college at the University of Delaware. Uh, we called it the Fish Again. Uh, our coach Jim Fisher kind of put his own spin on it too. And I just love that. It, it, we did it right before our um, – our regional race, which would usually, which is always 10K uh, in cross country, and it just felt amazing. Um, sure, it, it kicks your ass, but at the same time, it's such a great race. Yeah, That's such a great workout. We did like a variety of that one where we did a mile, 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 temp, mile tempo, mile, mile tempo, mile, then 800, then tempo, and then 800 all out. And that was not fun. We should incorporate oh. Michigan into our training schedule, Chris, for the, my full marathon slash whatever thing I have after the full marathon. I don't want to see you, like, shit your pants. Uh, you know, <laughs> we, I'm not a gun girl. We did a, <laughs> we did a different version of the Michigan, of our Michigan workout with Zach. So Zach, my coach, actually ran for Michigan. Um, and I think he okay. was actually recruited by Warhurst uh, before, like, um like i think his last like when he was recruited it was like his last year uh so this was and and he also i think he's run a couple times with willis uh because they're just up there uh and three up so my workout that day was a three up four times two minutes on a hill jog down six times 30 seconds on a hill jog down one mile easy and then two miles at half marathon pace and then one mile easy cool down and i was just like these workouts these like Michigan workouts are all about like changing gears so often. And it's like all within their, yeah. like, he always like, he, what he told me was like, treat each section as their own workout. I'm like, this is hard. Oh, no doubt. I mean, those, uh, it's kind of like that stepping stones workout where you go at a what, 40 seconds above uh, marathon pace, uh, 10 seconds above marathon pace. And then, 20 seconds below marathon pace so you're getting a, a full minute difference between your first rep and your third rep and you do that in succession uh about four to five times so you're probably getting 12 to 15 miles of work right there um 
but you know going back to some workouts uh one that i always enjoy doing is just a you know a three by four miles at marathon pace that's a couple weeks before we do our straight 10 miles at marathon pace uh this one you know i did what you know three conversational then three by four at marathon pace with a mile aerobic recover between them and then about a two mile cool down so i got about 20 in there at a 611 per mile um that really kind of got me into a, a great mindset. Um, and then going back to the, the other, I mean, I, I, I thrive in long grinded out workouts like that. Um, I just want to grind and push and just beat my ass into submission to learn what, what my body can do. It's actually a post I'm going to put out tomorrow on September. Uh, we're recording this on September 10th. This will go out on September 11th uh, about, you know, what, where do you thrive or do you find it difficult to focus in a shorter race versus a longer race? And I'm a guy that I struggle in shorter races to maintain my focus and I struggle in shorter workouts to maintain my focus. Um, and, but in long workouts and in long races, like half marathons, marathons, man, I can just lock into a pace and roll. Um, but to, to finalize this, um, that 10 marathon pace workout that I did, um, just really kind of made me so happy where my fitness was at that time. You know, I knocked out 10 in a, an average of 534 and I felt smooth. And that kind of really gave me the focus that Boston wasn't completely canceled yet, but at the same time it was on its uh, last legs. And I knew in hindsight, actually I should have shut down my training plan right then. Um, because I think I would have saved myself all the struggle. But at the same time, um, you can't look behind, you can only look forward. Yeah, absolutely. And at what point did you start having those inklings of this isn't soreness, this is actually pain? Oh, it probably started right after that workout. I mean, I had to fight my hip, my my sacrum for a lot of that, but I was stubborn and I wanted to get it done. And so I kept grinding and slowly as I transitioned into that 10 K, uh, portion that I was going into project 31, things really started to fall apart. I mean, my workouts, I couldn't finish a workout here and there. And I thought, okay, maybe it's just my marathon legs not letting me do some speed right now because I was immediately trying to jump into speedy 400, which would be stupid. Um, but it finally struck me just, I went for a run, I think in early May and I just felt something just pop and at about two miles into like a five mile run, I just felt something pop in my hip. I was like, that's not good. So I tried to run, turn around and go home, but I just, I could not really move. So I had to waddle home and just in tears the entire time. I was literal tears. And then the next morning I woke up, I was like, okay, maybe it was just like a muscle. Maybe it was something. So I tried to film roll and that was the worst idea of my life. <laughs> so after that, did you just go straight to the doctor? Um, eventually, um, because I originally had thought it was something to do with my late, uh, my labrum. And I thought that, um, I got a torn it or, um, something went out with that. And then, so I did go to the doctor, um, and he gave me the three letters, told me to do the three letters that a lot of athletes dread MRI. 
Mm -hmm. Um, It was going to be my first MRI in my life. And they sent me there. And I went to his office to get the results. And he's like, I got some good news. He said, you don't have a labral tear. Everything looks structurally fine there. I said, all right. He said, so uh, do you feel pain around this area? And he pointed to it. I said, I mean, a little bit here and there. He's like, well, your sacrum, your sacrum is pretty much cracked. Like if this is a, a, a heavy advanced stress fracture. I'm like, Oh, um, yeah. He's like, this is terrible. Like we need to, you need to stop running. We need to heal this thing because you know, if it goes any further, you're looking at some really, really bad damage. So at that stage, it was at least 12 weeks in no running. Um, and, but at that time I was in terrible pain. Um, like I said, there were times when I was in tears from walking and I tried to walk during the pandemic around the, my neighborhood and just, I couldn't make it a block without, you know, really struggling. So I just turned around and went home and that just kind of leveled with me that, yeah, there is something terribly wrong here. Okay. I guess I don't know. No, go ahead. Do you want me to hop in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was just saying like, uh, or going to say, I mean, we can cut that part out. But, uh, the, I mean, the injury thing, right? I've been fortunate and luckily, I mean, the injuries that I've sustained from running so far, even though I've only done it for eh, probably a little over two years, I mean, actually being serious about it. Um, I've been lucky enough to not really have anything other than like a minor, like plantar fasciitis case. And Chris told me to do like something with my foot where like I had to draw like A, B, C and like all that different stuff. So like, yeah, I, I, I've never fully experienced and I'm going to knock on whatever wood I can uh, in front of me. I've never fully experienced uh, a running injury and uh, hopefully it stays that way. But uh, I mean, mentally, what kind of, um, I mean, what'd you tell yourself while you were going through that? Was, was there ever any doubt that you could ever get back to it? Um, did you just take it day by day, day or like, uh, what, what really drove you to, to, to want to get back to it, I guess? I mean, the drive to want to get back to it was just the drive to get back to it. Running is runner is how I identify myself a lot of the times. And, you know, I never felt more alive during that Boston training cycle that I knew that I was going to do something big. And, you know, um, there were a lot of dark times to be honest with you during, during that, uh, 12 weeks of no running, um, Thankfully, that with my physical therapy, um, they pushed me harder than I've ever been pushed before. Um, shout out to Dr. John Moran. Um, he pushed me, like I said, as hard as anyone has ever pushed me during a workout. That's even like a trainer in the gym at some time. Uh, but he was, you know, physical trainer therapy trying to get me back. And slowly but surely, I got to the point where I wasn't walking with a huge length. And they gave me clearance to get on the bike. And I took up cycling and cycling saved me mentally so much during this time. Um, it gave me something to look forward to. I rode at least three times a week, sometimes four. And then once the pools opened back up down here in New Orleans, I was able to get into the pool to do some swimming and or aqua jogging. Um, but the biking thing seriously was, and it kind of gave me a competitive fire. I'm very competitive with a lot of things in my life, but especially with my athletics and, and being able to cycle got me involved in that whole other world of Strava because, you know, Strava originally started with cyclists and there are so many different cycling segments that I never knew about in my city. And I'm just like, all right, let me see if I can get on the top 10 list of this. And, 
slowly but surely my fitness really improved on the bike to where I was I cracked the top ten list here. There actually got my first uh, championship or course uh, crown the other day on a segment, and that really fired me up because I was like, all right. Um, but yeah, so it just kind of got me into the mode where I needed to finish. I needed to get stronger. And if I still have my goals in mind for, you know, 2021 and beyond, I had to get healthy again. It is interesting you bring up the point about Strava being a cyclist app because uh, it's definitely, I think at this point, kind of a runner's tool and like only a runner's tool. Like, yeah, you see people that, that ride the bikes and uh, I mean, I guess that might be confirmation bias given that my entire uh, breadth of my portfolio is all runners. I, I assume there's still bikers that use the hell out of it. But as far as I'm aware, anyway, I, a lot of my people around this community use it only for running. So. Well, I mean, it's, it's I changed mean, a, a lot. lot. Of, there, are people in, there are people around here in, in different cities where I've traveled and I've seen us travel. Like, they go on KOM hunts, like in packs. Huh. And they go and you'll see these people in like groups of you'll just search a segment, you'll see groups of 10 people riding and they all took the top 10 segments and then the guy who's <laughs> 11 is like, fuck you guys. Like, now I gotta get back out there and segment hunt. Like, I'm not gonna lie, like, before my injury, I was a segment hunt around here and I racked up quite a few. Um, but at the same time, like, cycling is a whole nother level <laughs> yeah. on that app. If, well, you, if you look on that side of things. There's a segment yeah. outside of my buddy's house, that Josh's house, they have a segment and uh, they've gotten into biking. And so Wallace is a triathlete had the segment originally and then our guys took it and some random like cyclists went the, the street is like off of the path like it's 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 like probably two miles off the path like you have to find a segment this guy went right outside their house and hit the segment hard so like they're they, they sent it to our, our group chat it's like dude they took it it's like no way it's like this guy had to go out of his way a couple blocks off the path to hit the segment outside their house i was like you kidding me yeah but it's yeah. It, like it's, i mean these these bite these cycling ones they take it as seriously as they do with uh with running but when you only have runners on your strava you don't really see it it's wild yeah you really don't actually going back to that that uh hunting for for uh i guess tailhams or whatever you want to call it uh do you think those people are, are, are dicks or like, do you actually like encourage that? Like people that like go out of their way to take a KOM, right? Like either it's completely out of their path or it's something where like they had to look and find this thing. Like, what do you guys think about those people? Are you one of those people? Like, do you enjoy going and taking other people's KOMs? Like what, I, 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 because I obviously being a slower runner, I mean, by comparison anyway, I'm not going out and taking any because I can't, you know, either they've all been taken by people that run at five minute pace or under, or they've just been, it's just something that I don't have any desire to do. But for you guys, is it something that you think it's cool to do or, or do you enjoy doing that? I think Larry's a little bit bitter because I told him that I was going to go. Yeah, right? I, I think uh -huh. he's a little bit bitter because I told him I was going to go to, uh, I was going to drive to New Philadelphia, New Philadelphia, which is his hometown, which is actually like three blocks across. And I was uh, going to drive out there and because he got his segment. There's only one segment in the entirety of about three blocks, but he has it. And I said I was going to drive over to New Philadelphia and I was going to take his segment. I think he's a little bit bitter about it right now. It's because nobody runs in that town. Like either it's like, I mean, yeah, they have a track team or whatever, but like obviously they're not going out and doing like, you know, long runs around new philadelphia or mile runs or anything so i have the only segment in the town it's three blocks and how is that a long run not three blocks it's, <laughs> it's i hate you but anyway 
anyway, <laughs> I, I'm going back to uh, I'm going uh, back to, back to my hometown in Delaware uh, yeah. for like eight days starting tomorrow, and I'm not gonna lie, I took a look at uh, <laughs> I took a look at Strava just to see a bunch of segments around the area, and like it it, it pains me to know that I can't be going as hard as I want to to try to get my name on there. So people be like, oh shit, he's back home. <laughs> like, like that kind of thing. But at the same time, like now I'm injured. I can only hit, I got the clearance to possibly go like sub seven a little bit. So I'll just, I'll just go run and, and see what, what falls. But in terms of like segment hunters, I can't fault them too much because I am one. Um, the, the, the true dicks of the trade are the people who take my segments. No, I'm kidding. Uh, the, true dicks of the trade are the people who ride their bike and say it's a run. Oh, so yeah. when I when I've taken a segment and then not too long after I see I see you've lost your your course record on whatever it might be, I take a look at it and they did it in like three fifty nine mile pace for a, a two mile thing. I'm like, yeah, flag. Guess yeah. who has it right back? Yeah. Like I know a lot of people who don't flag on Strava, but I mean I I ran out of flags several times because yeah. I think you only have ten at a time. Yeah. Day. So, uh, Josh, so definitely my, run my gamut there. And I've helped out a lot of my friends doing that too. Because they have some nice tail ends as well. My buddy, yeah, my, my buddy does it a lot. Josh will flag like crazy. Even though he doesn't like run as competitive as he used to. But <laughs> also real quick. Uh, so I know a couple guys from Delaware. Not that Ramford University of Delaware. But I have a buddy that used to coach uh, for I think Wilmington College up there. Um, I think he lives up in Bear. Uh, and they were, they made the joke that there was a, can, can you confirm for the listeners that there's more than two high schools in Delaware? It's not just Delaware North and Delaware South. Um, no, that's about it. I went to Delaware North. I went to Delaware North and those jerks from Delaware South were our main rivals. Um, you know, I don't know if the, the schooling system got bigger to where there's now a Delaware East and a Delaware West. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I think uh, I think we're still a two school uh, state. It's one of the. It's really, Larry. You haven't been out there. I I went out there for Firefly two years in a row, and the driving through is like a really cool place. I would love yeah. to like explore Delaware again. It's a like very very much like. Didn't expect to see what I saw out there. Going back to the discussion of KOMs for a second, Chris, if you do drive out to New Philadelphia, Ohio, and take my take my segment, which I'm sure that people that listen to this podcast might be tempted to do, I will flag you. I don't care if it's fragrant. I don't care if they come down on me and ban my Strava account. You think I can't just make another? You know? It's, <laughs> <laughs> I'm keeping that KOM. <laughs> I'm just going to do one to ride around the entire city and just say it's only like, I'm just going to do a couple of blocks and just say that new Philadelphia segment and just say it's like three blocks. Uh, wait, can you make your own? Yeah. If you have Strava yeah. premium. Uh, yeah. I forgot that you guys pay for fun. There's, a, about there's that. a guy here that, that, that hid his segment after I got taken. So uh, there's a I segment remember. here. Um, that's about a mile and a half that goes from, um, it goes from like from where I live to the shoe, like the Columbus like stadium. And it's a tough segment to get because there's actually a major street in the middle of it about, but 
three quarters of a mile into it, there's like actually like a big intersection. So if you don't, there's no way to time it. Yeah. So like, if you get hit by that second, like if you hit that stop sign, you're, you're screwed. Like, so like I hit it at 5.30 pace and I was super pumped about it. And then that segment got the lead. And I was just like, you kidding me? I feel like that should be uh, something that Strava should fix. But anyway, we should probably get back to focusing on time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> you got into bike bicycling and you, you, you were you still you were still lifting weights even during that time right um or was it when, impossible when gyms when the gyms got back open yeah um but i was very very cautious of anything overhead just because i didn't want to kind of add a necessary uh weight bearing exercise to myself mm-hmm. now how was I guess the process of just even coming back. Let's speak on that a little bit, um, because you've you've been very very smart about these things, and I figure as being the competitor that you are, and you've been running for this long, it's it's hard to not want to as soon as you can get a chance to even have some movement, not start pushing because you've. I mean, even with it being, it's not that far away ago that we were running 530 pace ourselves pretty easy like it was nobody's business talk about the process like the process of even coming back and just like even kind of tuning yourself in to say like there needs to be we need a baby steps yeah no it was um it was tough like you said because you know you want to go your competitive nature hits and you really want to just go rip uh, a hard workout you want to go you're, you're you get tired of you know when, when you're when you're doing the 10 mar- 10 marathon pace miles at 533 running at four miles at like a 745 or 730 for what feels like forever just wears on you um you know and just like if you if you're a, a runner who you know, their race pace might be seven flat or their race pace might be eight flat or nine flat going suddenly to only running four minutes slower than that at a time has to be ridiculously challenging, just extrapolating uh, people's fitness levels there. Um, but I knew that if I rushed back into it, I wouldn't probably have to be out for twice as long. And when I was out for three months, I could not even imagine what being out for six months would be, would be like. Um, so I followed to a T the return to running program that they gave me. It's this old tried and true method that he said, you know, this is probably a little bit too extreme, like on the, on the negative sense of extreme, just like you're going to want to go so much faster. You're going to want to push it. Um, Listen to your body. Just go out there, but follow this. Listen to your body and run. And so, you know, it started out walk one minute. No, walk five minutes. Or, yeah, walk. What was it? Yeah, walk one minute. No, damn it. (laughs) Check this. So, no, walk five minutes, run one minute. And I did that five times. So everything would add up to about 30 minutes. And... That first run, that first minute of running, it felt like hell, but it made my heart happy. And then 
again, the next one happier and happier, happier than happiest. And then I was done. And the next one, I did the same thing. Walk, you know, five, run one. The next time, walk four, run two. Then three and three. Then two and four. Then one and five. And then I tried to go for 30 minutes straight one time, and I kind of got carried away. I hit like a 6.45 at some point, and my body let me know that was not the right thing to do <laughs> a couple of days later. And I reversed course. I went back to the 1.5 for a week, and then I gave myself a self-imposed speed limit of about 7.10 per mile since that – Sure, I'm going. I, I can't go faster than that, but I can easily work into that. I can still negative split. I can still just try to keep it on cruise control, um, and that's what I've been at. Like I said, and I've done that for the past. I've done 30 minute runs three times a week for the past. Um, let's call it four to six weeks, and now I'm kind of adding to 35 minutes, and then eventually it'll be a 40 minutes, and then I could do four times a week. But for you know, for anyone that has been doing something for their whole life, like running, and it's, it's tough. But at the same time, it is a mental reset to where that you know you can do this. You can get through hard things. You can battle back from an injury. I know uh, Molly Seidel had this kind of injury, and look where she is right now. Uh, I'm never going to be where she is. She's an incredible athlete, but it just gives me hope that um, I can get back to better than where I was before. Yeah. yeah, and having the uh, wherewithal to uh, actually listen to your speed limit of your body, because uh, I don't. <laughs> Even when I impose one on and, myself, I definitely, definitely and, do not. And that's why we, we, I wanted to really touch on that, um, because I, I think th- there's a lot of parallels in how we both run. Um, yeah. Like, very, very much like, I, I think our competition aspect about running is very much alike, and even more than just the race that we picked. And on my end, I don't listen. I chase that high of just running fast all the time. And I think, and I probably have run faster than I needed to. And I probably could have been back about a month earlier if I wasn't chasing KOMs because I was just like, oh, I'm just going to run a couple miles and just chase a KOM. Even though like what you were saying about your injury was very like the same pains that I was in, like facing. Which, if I were to probably push harder for another two, three weeks and try to do a, I, I probably would have may, may have been in the same position you were. Uh, because as soon as my 22 mile workout hit, I was starting to feel that same pain and I was struggling to walk. Um, so, like, I think I would have been back a lot sooner had I not been on my end just an idiot about running. And for somebody so competitive about basically every aspect in your life, what we've talked about over the last like couple hours of talking, for you to say, I'm gonna listen and I'm gonna make sure we're gonna we're gonna be taking it back to make sure that we're gonna get there and look for a long term benefit is a hard thing to do for a lot of runners. And because as much as we look for long term, we look for long term because based on just like our um, immediate gratification of that workout that just happened. I was like, I'm looking for the 2024 trials and it's only, I was only looking at that because my workouts were going well, but it's only, it's, we're only planning ahead of time when our workouts go well. We don't really do that when we're hurt. And we always look for as quickly as possible to get back to being in shape because we miss it because it's fun being in shape. But 
what you're saying and it's really like it's really something that should be going to to most runners is i mean to all runners really like the extremes of what you're doing right now of like your rehab process is necessary because you're looking for the like you're looking to come back strong and make sure there's no shortcuts but i think the biggest issue with a lot of people that have our mindset is we take that shortcut and say i can run somewhat so i'm gonna run as fast as i can like maybe like it was an interview before i mean when you're fit you feel fucking invincible um but as soon as you're injured it it feels like everything can and will go wrong um and it's just the yin and the yang it just is the the roller coaster, the highest of highs when you're fit and you're looking ahead to, oh, I could do this. I can enter all these races as an elite. I can get all these perks. And then right now it's like, what is it like to run six miles at a time? What was it like to run sub seven? Um, And you look back at your old, you look back at your old workouts and like, how did I, how was that only back in March? And right now here I am in September, you know, six months later, just, feeling completely different but at the same time you know that you've done it before Mm -hmm. i've come back from injuries before i pulled my hamstring horribly i came back and that led me to you know that 10k pr and that led me to that half marathon pr i think that's what also gives me focus to trust the process i keep telling myself that trust the process that eventually I'm going to get back to where I was, and as long as I trust the process and trust my rehab and continue my prehab, continue my rehab, continue getting stronger and doing these exercises, um, that the sky is truly the limit. Is there anything else you would tell somebody that's currently facing that right now? Currently injured? Yeah, currently injured or just coming back from from a major injury like this? Um, I would tell them that, you know, it's going to be tough. You're going to doubt yourself, but as long as you trust the process again, and as long as you trust yourself, you're going to be all right. Um, to keep your head up, the, the most difficult place that you can get is inside your own head. When it goes any number of reasons, it's not just through an injury, it's through life like your head can be a dangerous place if you let it be um so try to maintain that focus try to keep track of the forest even though you might be looking at one tree um to know that better days are ahead and that's that's (laughs) the tree thing is (laughs) absolutely fantastic i i love that metaphor um you also been very very different than most people that i see that are um that do post a lot on instagram that do have a pretty solid so like following it that does focus on just a running experience was it hard to continue posting about running because typically what we see from people in our in our community is we see a lot of posting happening when things are going right we don't see much when things go wrong or we see people posting about the past consistently where they're not, they're not really being so open. The one thing that 
and it's also a lot of like real, to be honest and real all the reason that i really wanted to have you on is like you've been very very honest about your process back and there's not many people whether it's at our level or it's at the elite level or even just even newbies like people don't really talk about this portion of it how has it been for you like to continuing to have that motivation like just keep talking about it I think I like to keep talking about it, A, because it's an outlet for me. Um, it allows me to get my thoughts out there. And B, I feel that if my word, if one word, if one sentence, if one thought can make someone else think about something in a different way, then that post did two things for me. It, it made someone think and it got my thoughts out there. Um, Never once did I think about not posting throughout this, um, just because I wasn't getting as many likes on a on a killer workout that I did. That I'm now posting pictures of my, you know, kettlebell lifts and my uh, my leg lifts and stuff like that. Um, at the same time, that's part of my process. That's part of my life. Um, a lot of people like to treat Instagram as a highlight reel, um, and rightfully so. We can only see a snapshot and we can only read what people put in there. We don't know. You never see the pain behind the clown's eyes. Um, but at the same time, like I wanted to, and I pride myself in my openness. Um, I pride myself in my candor and I hope that people can see to that. I appreciate Chris that you do see that in my, my posts. Um, and you know, I, I like to follow people like yourself, like, others who do share that same mentality um because i can't stand people on instagram that just post the highlights that just post the happiness and then everything looks like an ad everything looks smiling and even when they're talking about negative stuff they're smiling in a photo like put a congruent message out there to you know to be to be honest to be forthright to make people want to connect with you um, because if you're just doing it for the likes and you're just doing it for the, the clout, awesome, but don't fake it. I mean, it's, it's so easy to fake it on social media, but if I can provide an insight, if I can provide a, an outlet for myself and give people a true look at my life and a true look at what's going on, I think I've done my job. I completely agree with what, what you're saying there. Um, we have an opportunity to be able to tell like actual real stories. Um, we have an opportunity to say this, that, and it's, I mean, I've been posting back for me. It was a blog spot, like Dystat, Tumblr. And just one thing that I always saw was like, there's not really any insight about how running really is um, because you see it as all ties. And I think it does create kind of a toxic kind of mentality for a lot of people where they're, they're chasing happiness from running and there's not really any kind of reality to it. And I think it rushes a lot of people to do things that are not the right way because they see everybody else having fun with it. And it's like, no, let's be honest here. Like a lot of times running's not great. I think majority of the time, like running's not fun for me. It's not, it doesn't feel amazing every day. I don't have amazing workouts every day. But those days where it does click is 
that I still chase. It's still fun. And the community aspect of it, I still chase and still have fun with. And it's something that, that the honesty is something that I really appreciate. And I really appreciate from the people that I follow. And I really appreciate from the people that I, I keep around myself because, yeah, it's nice to see a photo of somebody just being running and the same exact pose. But like, that's not the people that I hang around with. That's not the people that I've, it's not the people that I enjoy being around. I'd like actually seeing people that I, I, I want to see humanity. I want to see humanity from the people that I see and the people that I follow. And, and honestly, I think everybody does too. Cause yeah, we're it's interesting all though, because, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, especially like Instagram being Instagram, like people like to use those platforms to post, you know, what, they perceive that people want to see, right? And like, yeah, I mean, Twitter and like, I, and like other things like that, like those are places that I feel, especially having a smaller Twitter that like not a lot of people follow, like I can tweet to the void and just like say like, hey, I'm feeling weird today. You know what I mean? And like, or like that I, I feel negative and like nobody either, the small group of people that I actually care about will respond to me and say like, you good? And like, that's cool. Whereas on Instagram, like it does kind of feel like like you have to put on that front sometimes, you know what I mean? So like, I feel like, especially my Instagram, like it definitely does feel like a highlight reel. Sometimes I used to have a different Instagram account than the one that I have now that I was a lot more open and honest. And I think that that's just a change in the way that I perceive internet culture, mm -hmm. I think. But um, no, I, I do think that more open honesty and like humanity and everything, I think that that's an important step for runners. And I think that Chris, the more podcasts that we do together, the more often that you mentioned that you, you, value that more you know what i mean from from how people post on instagram and i yeah i'd like to be more open about it so i, I think that it's, it's definitely something to uh to yeah adjust your adjust the way that you post online for because i do post a lot of highlights no i know it's but it's, 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 <laughs> good i was just gonna i was just gonna say that there have been times when i posted and i get a text from my mom saying did you really need to put this on there? <laughs> like, like, think about this. And I was like, yeah, you know, you're right. And I kind of added something out of there that was a little bit too honest. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, like, I tell her, hey, but, but this is who I am. Like, she's like, I know who you are. I know that you're very honest. But at the same time, like, you know, maybe people don't need to know that one thing. Everything else is fine. But that one thing, I'm like, you're right. Maybe I should <laughs> take that out. Um, so That's yeah, all right. That reminds me. Uh, you go ahead, Chris. No, uh, go ahead. I'll bring my phone up. Okay, uh, that actually reminds me. Uh, I actually just got a Facebook memory from my old Instagram, Instagram account two or three days ago now. And I remember this post vividly because it comes up in, in my mind sometimes. But it was just like I was in such a dark, negative, like depressed place. Like I couldn't sleep. I, I couldn't eat. Like I was just like in this like terrible mindset. And like the memory of that and how honest I was with the world and just saying like, hey, like I'm not okay. Like... I, I don't know. It's difficult to get to, to get in that mindset, but I, I think it's good when people are open and honest about their emotions and how they're feeling. And like, I, I think that that's, I mean, we're all in agreement there. I think that we can all say that that's uh, what we're getting to, but um, yeah, it's just, <laughs> and on the mom part, I do sometimes censor how, <laughs> how I post online because I worry. And my mom is very active on my <laughs> Facebook. She tends to like every post that I make. So it's like either she's going to text me later and be like, you okay, honey? And she's, like, oh, she's worried about me. And 
I just don't want to deal with that. So maybe I just need to block her from things. Or, <laughs> oh, it's, or, you have a great support know. system. And uh, yeah. I, I've, I mean, I've, I've been very, very open about mental health. And I mean, even yeah. to this, like my birthday charity is about like the, um, it's a suicide, uh, like a organization. So like, I've been very honest about like my own, my own struggles, even, even for this past year. Um, like my birthday last year was one of my darkest places that I've had. And, and, you know, we're all human and we're all, we're all, we're all fighting our own fights and it's just be supportive of each other. And, um, I really enjoy having people around me that are, that are, that are humble enough and just they're willing to say, you know, Hey, we, we, we go to this and, um, as the highs of the highs of our, our race days do go, uh, we do have our tough times too. And I think that humanity aspect of it is really important because just as I had my highs for Columbus marathon and making money for the first time in a pretty solid marathon. I mean, I still had a month, month, two prior, like I had one of the lowest times of my life. So it's not always a to B there's always turns topsy turvy and, there's always ways there's it's not a straight shot to those goals and it's not a straight shot to life in general. So I think hearing that from other people too, and I know people have reached out to me about it and saying like, Hey, I'm also going through it because yeah. a lot of us are. And and unfortunately with, with social media it does lead that sense of like, you're the only one that's feeling like this. You're not. It's just all you see on social media because that's what the point of a lot of this is. And uh, I think the journey is much more exciting than the the end result. But the end result is one that gets you likes. But the journey is really what I, what I as far as like the things I ever look at, it's like the people that I want in my life. I want to see the journey. I don't want to like, I'm going to cheer you on the entire way and I'm going to be your biggest supporter when the end result happens. And I'm going to for sure celebrate with you. But that journey and looking back at that journey of where you got there is so, so incredible. And we talked about it with Larry and with Keen and Nicole and yeah. talking about how you got there. And that's really how this whole entirety of came to be, too, is there's a story behind the successes. There's a story behind the, and it's elite files. It's not what are you doing? How, what? It's not about your last race. There's a story behind it. Your story didn't become you were fast and then you just kept on going and it came from there. Your story was a very, very different story than most people have. Most people don't take eight years off of running. Most people don't go how highly into weightlifting and then end up coming out on the other end being really, really competitive. And the stories behind it are incredible. And that's yeah. the really what I see this stuff. It's like, Heck, I had people ask me about last week. It was like, this is a different story that I'm used to hearing. <laughs> like, you have a different perspective completely that's like people want to know about. So, with that being said, I have some questions that I got asked about too. So, we're going to jump in a quick question, a quick QA, real quick, and then uh, we're going to go from there. Uh, so, I was running with my buddies this past weekend uh, with Braden and uh, Braden and Phil. Uh, and again, shout out to Phil from last week. He's he's on a 130 mile week right now. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so he, they asked about the specifics. Um, so when you're you're training at your peak, 
they wanted to know about your weightlifting schedule. How does that look like for somebody that does put a lot of emphasis on weightlifting and running? How does that look for you? How do you schedule your days that way? <laughs> I just lift every single day. <laughs> um, and I'll do, do my workouts every single day. Like, my, during, the, during my peak workouts, I mean, I'll usually... I, I've done the same kind of weightlifting schedule in the gym for the longest time now. I would probably need to switch it up to give my body something new to do and to not do the same thing, I guess, again. Uh, but, you know, Monday is Chaz, Tuesday is back in, you know, general strength. Wednesday is generally my easy day where I'll do some yoga. Thursday, shoulders. Um... You know, these are not very great days to do. Like, Friday's arm, Saturday is, like, hit stuff. And then Sunday was usually my long runs. And then a whole shitload of pull-ups. Um, but, yeah, I'll just go do my tough workout. At, um, first thing in the morning, I'll get up by 4. I'll try to be at the track or I'll be out on the road where I'm going to do my tough tempo work at 5 and if it's a long workout, then I'll just go back home. I'll stretch it out, and then I'm right to the gym that afternoon, um, or after work, um, or I will. If it's a lighter day, I will go to the gym right after my workout, and I'll get right into it. And you know, after I hit a hard tempo, I'll be at the gym doing lat pull downs and pull ups and everything like that. So I think the whole thing is to, that I don't like to change things up. I don't like to let my body know that it's time to let up. That's why leading into uh, marathons, that's why leading into big races, I'm still in the gym every single day. Um, I mean, I might be tapering in the miles, but I'm not tapering in the weights. I'm still hitting it as hard as I possibly can. And I mean, the day before I ran that half marathon PR, I had a hard pull-up workout that I did, a hard, you know, tire flips. And then the next day I woke up, I was a little bit tired. I was a little bit sore, but my body, it was just time to go and run that hat. Damn. Do you ever do any anything as far as like with weightlifting, like injury prevention, like doing things more on the lower end, like on the lower end? Now I do. <laughs> um, yeah, like I, I, I used to think that, um, you know, one thing that I guess you can see there that the legs are, weren't really focused, um, but now every – Every other day, I, I do my PT and my general strength exercises. Um, but I'm probably, once I'm back to fully healed, I'll probably just go Wednesdays. I'll turn my Wednesdays into general strength of um, legs and just do, you know, my PT stuff and do prehab and rehab mm -hmm. and, and squats and some kind of deadlifts to just really kind of hone things in a little bit. Yeah, that was one thing that I did when I was in, in grad school. Um, our um, our sprint coach um, also was like, he he was a decathlete and he was a U.S. champ. Um, and so I asked him, I was like, "Hey, I'm doing steeple, and I, it's my last year of grad school. Um, I want to stay healthy. It's my last year ever running collegiately. Can you help me?" And he had a whole rate room routine, and it was really interesting because it wasn't like. It's like, yeah, we're not maxing out at all here. Uh, we're just trying to keep you healthy. So it's like a lot of box, like step ups, a lot of like squats, a lot of like deadlifts. And I was like, it's like, you're not doing any weights to start off with because I know you don't know the form. And I'm like, 
okay, let's get this done. Which is like, you have this like tiny 125, like, oh, that's at this point I was still like 23. So I was like, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm an adult, uh, somewhat of an adult, like 125 uh, pound person. That's like six feet. It's like tiny doing just the bar. And then you have like the sprinters, the girls sprinters on our team, just like bawling out and just like laughing at me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just doing what I need to do. Uh, I'm, like none of our it's a classic distance runner thing. Nobody, none of our distance runners, they always skip the weight room. And I'm like, I need to stay healthy because I know that like I have a lot of deficiencies. So like, that's, I mean, if, if you, people have the time to do it, like really, if you have the time to do it, the weight room is such an important part of just being an efficient and effective runner. Like it really is like, it, it keeps you strong, like like everything from like core to like even your torso, like everything is like if you were able to have that all taken care of, like you're going to be more efficient, you're going to be more effective when you're running, and you're also going to get less, you're less chances of getting hurt. Well, you know, I think. Um, oh, go ahead, Tyler. Sorry. No, go ahead. You, you were you had a segment. Segment had very poor job to make because you said you ran with Brayden and, and Phil and Brayden didn't ask anything about shirts at all. No, 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 shirt? no, 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 no. Uh, all right, go ahead, Tyler. Oh, I was just going to say, um, I think in, in, in the ilk of trying to switch things up and, you know, I might kind of look into like a general strength for runners plan or yeah. something along that nature and just give it a shot for like a month or two. Yeah. Um, just see what happens, you know, be, do, whatever they say and, and see if that helps um, see if I feel different because like I said, I like to change things up. I like to keep my body guessing. Um, and one of the main reasons why I like to work out is because it keeps my head in good space. Um, and, uh, an idle mind is a devil's playground and uh, mine is an amusement park. So I'd rather not give that opportunity to where that happens when I'm idle. So, I want to go, 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 do as much as I can um, to where I'm exhausted. I can't just fall asleep at the end of the day and just wake up and start it over again. As far as some of the, like, I guess, kind of goals and that kind of in the future, and also kind of going into one of the questions that I had, and then actually one of the final questions that I had here is, uh, um, future, what, what are your goals in the next two years? And, have you ever thought about hitting hitting the uh, the trails or hitting some of the ultra distances at all? Um, my biggest goal is to get healthy. Um, I would, I might shed actual tears when I can run more than ten miles at a time, and I think I'll shed additional tears if I can ever see myself getting that sub thirty two um, that I have envisioned for myself for the while. And I would love to get back to that 109.32 and even get better than that in a half. Um, you know, a, a nice sub 230 would be a blessing for me in the marathon. Um, but yeah, eventually I, I think I could see myself maybe doing a few trail races or maybe trying to do an ultra here or there. Um, they, they beat up, they beat up you pretty good. Um, and just, Thinking about it kind of hurts me right now, but at the same time, I'm also hurt right now. So I'm sure when I'm back in peak fitness, whenever that might be, um, 
that I can kind of look forward to maybe transitioning to something longer like that. Um, maybe do that 50K that you and I were talking about a long time ago, or maybe doing a trail right here or there. Um, I don't think I'll ever do like a 100 miler or a 100K, but you know, a 50K could be rather interesting, and I might get back in triathlons. Um, now that I have a, a renewed sense of pleasure out of biking, um, I need to get much better in the water, though. That's one of my big goals. Once the pandemic kind of blows over, I want to find some adult swim lessons and get there and to get more comfortable in there. So the next time I do a triathlon, because I want to do one again, um, I can compete better than I did last time. Ironman an option? Shoot, I can't even imagine swimming a mile. I mean, <laughs> the cycling, I think, is like cycle 140 miles. And the most I ever did is, I think, 40 on the bike. And that was rough. I don't, I, I probably could feasibly think about doing an Ironman, but I need to get so much better in the water that um, I think at most a half Ironman might be my cap for this moment. Larry, any questions for you? <laughs> Nothing actually like serious. I was just mostly going to close out because I feel like this pod had some pretty heavy-handed topics. You know, we got into the topic discussion of depression and, and running all this to close everybody out. What are our thoughts on the Travis Scott burger? Have we had any thoughts about the Travis Scott burger? Why is there a Travis Scott burger? And if you order it, do you have to ask for like, you're like some sort of like uh it's lit sauce or something like that or like i don't know do you even like burgers tyler no i love <laughs> burgers um but i don't know if i like a mcdonald's burger much anymore i think fast food outside of like five guys in and out and those yes. kind of shake shack and those kind of are you know outside of my wheelhouse right now um but that's that's inter- I actually uh, only learned about that Travis Scott burger this morning while I was flipping through uh, Twitter and a video popped up and I just started watching it. I couldn't get through the full thing just because I have a very short attention span for like people oh. doing things. And I always <laughs> think it's going to turn into someone throwing like a milkshake at someone, which I absolutely abhor. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, so I thought I just turned it off, but I saw, you know, I, all I saw was Travis Scott, you know, burger. And I was thinking like, they're, they're going to throw ketchup at someone and say it's lit and, and run away or something. I had no idea what it was, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, that's something on my mind. Uh, celebrities are making a comeback. Um, I mean, I'm just going to say that I didn't say the Travis Scott burger is never going to do anything as close to the Shack pack, which I know I was a, Shaquille O'Neal had his own um, had his own meal at Burger King and actually had his own song too. It was amazing. It was basically like, "Who is the man who can jam over any man?" Shaq, and it just has him dunking over people. And his like meal is a sourdough bacon cheeseburger, essentially with a large Coke and fries. And it's like, it's something from like, I think the late nineties, early two thousands, like when like, it was I like, do not remember this at all. I think it was yeah. only an LA thing to be honest. Cause like, I, I mean, I grew up in LA and it's like, I'll send you guys both this, this clip. And it's, uh, I think only people probably is probably only a regional thing there, 
But uh, I will take that over uh, the Travis Scott burger. Um, and I'm also not going to – and I'm going to tell a McDonald's employee who is probably not very happy to have a new employee coming in or a, a new customer coming in. I'm not going to tell them that Cactus Jack sent me because I'm not. Cactus Jack I'm sent me. I'm not. I'm not. That sicko mode sauce. I'm not. I'm not. I'm absolutely <laughs> not going to do that. Um, but, yeah, so – I think it's time for uh, for me to get get on the war zone and get ready for the night. And also, actually, I have to shake out tomorrow before this marathon this weekend uh, oh, yeah. and, and getting ready for this birthday weekend. Uh, but a casual pool. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I'm going to chat with you, Tyler, about, like, I, I, I ran a trail about an hour south of Baton Rouge that was really, really hilly. I wonder if you were run it. If you haven't, well, it was a really cool trail. But... Um, yeah, where can they where can they follow you? Where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at Tyler underscore runs underscore lifts. I don't have a website. I don't have a athletic Twitter. Um, that's my best place. You can follow me on Instagram. And shoot a follow also the Power Milers because they're doing pretty cool things too. They're. Uh, uh, do you guys have an Instagram for Power Milers, or is it just something you guys have? On? Yeah, we do. Uh, it's just at Power Milers. Um, yeah, we just uh, finished the the Speed Project DIY. I think we were the eighth place overall team out of two hundred and eighty. Um, they absolutely crushed it this past weekend, and I couldn't have been more prouder to be a member of their support team. Yeah, and I've, as somebody that's run in uh, in Louisiana. Uh, for about a week, a lot of props to you guys. It's not, it's it's one of the hardest places I've ever run in, it, and spending an entire day running in that kind of weather, it's not fun. You guys have humidity much higher than anybody else that I've ever run in. So, hey, it's a poor man's altitude. I mean, if that if that goes to show, then I'm going to be amazing. I might be running sub sixes is my easy pace recovery this past, this upcoming week in Delaware. We never know. I mean, I went from 740 pace, running eight miles, 740 pace during my call it like during college, I went out there and I was like struggling. And then I like fly back to California and I'm running like six twenties, like just like nobody's business. It's insane how much, how different it is and how it is different it is to uh, not finish a run and spend about 10, 15 seconds completely soaking out your singlet. <laughs> what what is damp may never dry chris what is damp may never dry <laughs> and larry where can they find you yeah you can find me on instagram at uh, fadley underscore that's f as in frank a d is a dog e-l-e-y underscore you can find me on twitter at fadley you can find me pretty much on the all social media platforms uh at fadley now i am playing a game called valorant which is kind of like csgo and overwatch combined and uh, that's not easy. You can find me there, Fadley, but two wise because apparently I already had an account for this game. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, before we, we hand that over to you, Chris, to say your Instagram handles, I just want to give a, a shout out and say, uh, if you do see Chris on the trail this weekend, if you do have a, the opportunity to uh, say hi or anything, just wish him a happy birthday. You know, it's coming up here on the 13th. So um, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll probably be posting something. But uh, yeah, just uh, wish me a happy birthday, bud. Oh, and uh, where can they find you? <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Yes, uh, happy early birthday, Chris. Thanks, guys. I'll try to get this out tomorrow. Um, I think I'll have some time to do it. But uh, if you could, I'm going to be, I'm at Beards and Miles, uh, beardsmiles.com. 
uh, Big Smiles on Twitter. And then um, this is, we can find us on Anchor, um, Spotify, Stitcher, um, of course, iTunes. That's the big one. That's the big one. Leave some reviews, five-star reviews, or leave nice comments. Uh, we'd appreciate it. Um, and then if you want to play video games with me, I'm on XC Chris. So XCCRIS, if you want to get your ass kicked on, uh, on Tony Hawk. <laughs> but no, I appreciate having you guys on here. Um, as always, uh, Larry, it's been great to have you on here. Tyler, dude, it's been a freaking pleasure just getting to know you over the past year, even through Let's Run and everything like that. And uh, cheers to you for the next year. Let's have some fun. And uh, we're both signed up for next year's Chicago. So let's, uh, let's run fast. Yeah. I think that's my next marathon, so let's get after it. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to finish this Yingling traditional lager, and I'll see you guys later. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Cheers. All right, buddy.